0: We're in part three, and the, the last installment, actually, the final installment of What Time Is It? It's a series on the end times, all right? And we're talking about, like, Jesus is figuring to come back, y'all. He's, he is, he's coming soon, and we're, we're talking about that. So uh, over the past couple weeks, um, that's been our main focus. Like, he's coming back, so what do we do? Week one, I talked about Jesus is coming back. We talked about the rapture. Something we don't talk about a lot in church these days. We talked about that. Last week Pastor Caleb talked about how to understand the end times and what do we do? Like, what do we do in response to that? One of the things he said that has stuck with me all week long was we are God's plan A. Like we there is no plan B. Did y'all hear it? There's no plan B. Like, if not us, then who? We're we're God's plan A. Today we're gonna talk about the great falling away that the Bible talks about. Paul prophesied about it in Second Thessalonians. But um, here's the thing. We don't know the dates or the times, right? So if somebody has tried to tell you uh, that Jesus is coming back at a certain date or time, it, there, he, he's not because he, Jesus himself said nobody knows the day or the hour, the day or the time. Not even Jesus himself knows, only the Father. So we don't know dates and times, but we know signs and seasons, Right, and so we've got we've seen a lot of signs, and we're in some seasons right now where God's showing us some things. One of the things I love that I get a kick out of is church signs. Y'all know because they're informational yet corny, right? Like like seven days without prayer makes one week. W e a k. I see. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Play on words, right? God answers an email. Thank, thank you. I, man, I appreciate that. Now, so, today's message ain't going to be funny, all right? So, I love church signs, and I thought I'd just share a few church signs with you that I get a kick out of, uh, because the rest of the message is not going to be funny. All right, so let's take a look at, at a couple of them. Um, how do we make holy water? We boil the hell out of it. Uh, I love that one they asked me to change the sign so I did Uh, prophecy class canceled due to unforeseen circumstances Um, whoever stole our AC units keep one it's hot where you're going that's bad right there get behind me satin Uh, free beer just kidding Jesus on Sunday. Man, what's up with that? Uh, Jesus is the rizzle for the sizzle. <laughs> Jesus is the rizzle for... Okay, a little explanation for those of you who might be offended right now. Uh, the King James Version does use this word. I'm just saying, it's a biblical word. Jesus rode this into Jerusalem. And in COVID days, you better keep yours at home, right? Uh <laughs> Oh, now, now this next one. Okay, this next one. Uh, don't let your worries kill you. Let the church help. Who <laughs> put these up? Like what is Bring your sin to the altar and drop it like it's hot. <laughs> this is awesome. Best sausage supper in St. Louis. Come and eat Pastor Thomas Pressler. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there's, there it is. God answers an email. Okay, now I think this next one, i got to give you a little bit of explanation on because um, this comes from Huntsville, Alabama, where we used to live. And there was a gentleman's club in Huntsville called the Pink Pony. Okay, and uh, so a church down the street put a sign up that said, Jesus is coming back on a white horse, not a pink pony. (laughs) So... In lieu of today's message on the return of Christ, the end times, I thought this one was appropriate to end on. He's coming back, y'all, and he's coming back on a white horse, right? So I'm pumped about that. Or you can take that off the screen. We all needed a little bit of laugh, a little bit... Hey, Mary Hart does good like medicine, right? So um, there's a lot of signs. God has given us a lot of signs about the end times. And so one of the questions asked is, well, what do I do? I mean, if Jesus is coming back, then then what do I do? Like if he's coming back, then should I be saving for retirement? Should I be doing all this stuff? And here's what I would say. Knowing that Jesus is coming back, you need to plan like he's not coming back for 100 years. And what I mean by that is graduate high school, go to college, get a degree, marry somebody, right? Get married, have kids, build your career, build your family, build your 401k, plan to retire one day and travel the world, plan to do all of that 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 you have in your heart. Plan it but live like he's coming back right now, like at any moment he could be coming back. That's how we live our lives. So what do you mean by that? I mean, live your life by knowing God, by developing a real relationship, a life-giving relationship that's not based on rules and regulations and do's and don'ts, but get in a real relationship with God where you can find freedom, where you can settle your yesterdays Get past the past, all of the junk, all the guilt, all the weight, all the sin of your past. Settle all of that stuff so you can discover purpose so that then you can go make a difference. Live today like he's coming back today. Begin to serve, begin to give, to tithe, to be generous, to, to, to serve at first Saturday. Serve, live your life like he's coming back today. Amen? That's how we live. That's how we ought to do it. Now, uh, in, in the book of First Thessalonians, we see a disparity here. Because I I think they were wondering the same thing. Like, Paul, you said Jesus is coming back. What do we do? Like, what do we do? So we see the same thing here. In in 1 Thessalonians, that's a hard word to say, 1 Thessalonians, Paul Paul writes about the second coming of Jesus. Now, notice that he, uh, he talks about the second coming in every chapter of 1 Thessalonians. Every chapter he mentions it. But somehow... The the Thessalonian church, they they misunderstood. They misinterpreted it. Maybe somebody came along and they planted some bad seeds. We don't understand really how, but they didn't understand. And so there was confusion within the church. So Paul comes back a couple months later and he writes Second Thessalonians to the to the church there. And he clears up the confusion that they had. All right? So what I want to do is we're going to go back to First Thessalonians. Back to 1 Thessalonians, we're going to go back there, and we're going to read a, a great picture, one of, the, one of the most graphic descriptions of the rapture, and then we're going to go to 2 Thess- Thessalonians, I, I didn't have trouble with the 1st we're going to go to 2 Thess, alright, so here we go, 1 Theth- Thessalonians, I can't even say it, alright, chapter 4, how about that? The first one, according to the Lord's word. Now, whose word? Who's the Lord? Jesus. Okay? We tell you that we who are still alive and are left until the coming of the Lord. Now, remember, how is he going to come back? The same way that he went up, right? He's going to come back the same way he went up. Those of us who are left, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Okay? Okay? For the Lord himself is gonna come back down to earth the same way that he went up, with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Those who've gone on before us will be raptured first. Verse 18 says, or verse 17 rather, after that, we who are still alive and are here, we're left here, will be caught up. Everybody say caught. Okay, this word caught is where we get rapture. Uh, the, the, the Greek word is harpazo. It means to be suddenly snatched away. We get the word rapture from the Latin word rapturo, okay? And that comes from caught. So the, the Bible doesn't say rapture anywhere in it, but the theology, the wording behind it is right here. Be caught up, be suddenly snatched away. There one moment, gone the next. will be caught up together with them in the clouds. All right, notice this. Where are they gonna go? In the clouds. To meet him in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Okay, this is one of the most graphic pictures of the rapture. And Paul says, hey, because this is going to happen, y'all, encourage one another. The time is coming. Encourage one another. Encourage one another. Now, they were confused about that. Something happened along the way, and there was misunderstanding. So Paul comes back with 2 Thessalonians. And he clears up that confusion. All right, check this out. Chapter 2, verse 1. Concerning the coming of our Lord. All right? Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and us being gathered. There's there's another picture of it. Gathered to him. We ask you, brothers and sisters, to not become easily unsettled. Hey, don't be alarmed by this, guys. Jesus is coming back. But don't, don't live afraid. Don't live in fear. Yes, he's going to split the eastern sky at some time, but don't be worried about it. Don't be alarmed by teaching that was allegedly from us. What he's saying here is some people came and they gave you a prophecy or a word or a letter and they told you that the rapture had already happened. It hadn't happened yet, guys. And even some people, they quit their jobs and and they were just waiting. They thought Paul meant he's coming tomorrow and so they they were just waiting around, quit their jobs, just kind of hanging out. All right, Jesus, when are you coming? And so he's trying to clear up all this confusion that, that he's coming tomorrow or that, like, like he's already come. And he, he goes on and he says in verse three don't let anyone deceive you. Okay, don't let anybody tell you he's already come or, you know, I know when he's coming. Don't, don't follow that. For that day, some translations uh, actually capitalize the word day because it's talking about the day that he returns, the rapture, that day will not come until the rebellion occurs. Everybody say rebellion. Okay, some translations use the terms falling away. It's gonna be until the falling away occurs and the man of lawlessness, this is the Antichrist, is revealed to the man, uh, the man doomed to destruction. Now, hold up just a second. He says that the day will not happen, the rapture will not happen until the, Rebellion occurs until the falling away. So let me explain what this is. The the Greek word for rebellion is apostasia. It's where we get the word apostasy. It simply means an abandonment, a turning away of the truth. Now, could you look around our world today and see that there is an abandonment, there is a turning away of the truth. Well, what's truth? This is the truth. And there are people turning away from it. Okay, so uh, he's not, Paul is not saying that there's gonna be, that devout Christians are gonna fall away. Could be that that happens. But it's people who claimed to be a Christian, who believed and who professed Jesus as their savior, but they rebelled against the word of God. They turned away from the word of God from truth and they went after other things. And so Paul says, uh, in, in verse four, he says, The Antichrist, he will oppose uh, and exalt himself over everything that is called God, uh, that is worshipped. So that he sets himself up in God's temple, and here's what he does. He proclaims that he's God. That's what the Antichrist is going to do. So, there's a couple things I want to talk about today. I want to talk about what's going to happen before the rapture at the rapture, when Jesus comes back, and after the rapture, okay? So Jesus is coming. How do we know when it's getting close? Number one, there's gonna be a worldwide rebellion against God. Well, how do you know, Pastor Ben? Because Paul prophesied it, there's going to be a turning away, a falling away, a, 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 an apostasy, where people say what, what they used to believe is true is no longer true. They, they fall away from God, and that happens, Okay? That happens in two ways. Number one, it's a falling away or a rebellion in the world. Okay, outside of the church. It's a rebellion out in your workplace, out in your neighborhood, out in public institutions. In fact, let me say it this way. In 1976, 38% of Americans believed that the, the Bible was, was the literal word of God. 38% in 1976. 40 years later, 2017... This is, this is crazy. Twenty-four percent believe that the Bible is the literal word of God. This is 12 percent in 40 years. That's a falling away, if you ask me. That's, that's, a, that's a number too, too large to say, "Oh, well, that's just kind of strange. Church attendance over the last decades has decreased rapidly. So come on. There's a a falling away happening. Rejection of Christianity is happening in the public sectors, in in public institutions. In 1962, prayer was removed from school. Now, I grew up in East Tennessee, and we, in in my little elementary school, we used to stand in line in kindergarten, and we would pray over our meal before we ever left the room. Did anybody else grow up in a school like that, where in public school y'all still had like a prayer or something? Yeah, some of us. Um... We used to pray over the, the high school football games. But when I was in high school, the state of Tennessee banned that across the state. Some of you might remember that happening in your own high schools. Just recently, in the last couple decades, have they done that? They've removed the opportunity to pray. Um, let me say it this way. Uh, in, in the last couple decades, the Ten Commandments have been removed from, uh, from courthouses and Supreme Courts. It was a big issue in Alabama many years ago, right in Montgomery. Uh, with Chief, Chief Justice Roy Moore. Um, in, in schools, the Ten Commandments were removed in 1980. So there's this falling away. There's this, there's this rebellion. Like, yeah, we don't want that. that, that that's uh, Like, the Bible is now considered hate speech by many people. Y'all you know, with me today? Are y'all seeing some of this stuff that's going on? There's, uh, there's a rapid rise in atheism where I just don't believe it. Or can I say it this way? There's a rapid rise in practical atheism. I mean, I believe in God, but you live like he doesn't exist. Well, right? You believe in him, but you live like he doesn't exist. Practical atheism. Um, open persecution among Christians. That's happening all in the world. And nobody could argue that there's an attack against Christianity, an attack against the word of God. But, but you can also see that there's an attack against just traditional moral values. Maybe things that aren't even necessarily biblical, but they're just good living. Come on, just good living. They're now being tested and rejected every single day. So it's, it's a rebellion in the world, but number two, there's going to be a rebellion in the church. It's a rebellion in the church. This one kind of scares me. Like a rebellion in the world, I get, because they don't know any better. They don't know. They don't know God's will, God's purpose. They're not in his word. They don't know that. But a rebellion in the church? Come on, this this is where it starts to to come alive. Um, I'll say it this way. Jesus prophesied in the Bible that before he returns, 50% of the church would fall away. 50%. So in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus tells about his second coming. He he sets us up. This is what's going to happen. And then in chapter 25, Matthew 24 is the, I'm coming back. Here's the signs and the wonders. Matthew 25, he says, now this is how you need to be ready for it. And he tells three parables. The first parable is the parable of the ten virgins. All right? So I want you to follow along. I'm going to show you how he says, in the last days, 50% of the church going to fall away all right at that time the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins at what time when i come back when jesus comes back it's going to be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom five were foolish five were wise five were were true five were false okay five were wise five were foolish it goes on to say uh that the foolish ones took their lamps but didn't take any oil with them. Now, now hold up, let me, say, let me say this. The 10 virgins represent the end times church. Us. That's who the 10 virgins represent, the end times church. And Jesus says 50% of them are gonna be true, 50% of them are gonna be false. Foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. That would be like you going to the lake. You're gonna spend all day on the lake, but you, you're like, man, I don't need any gas. We'll be all right. I don't need any extra, Right? No, you'd take a little bit extra with you, right? Because you you don't want to get stranded out there. And so the wise ones, however, took oil. They brought oil in jars with their lamps. Verse 5 says that the bridegroom was a long time in coming. And it's been decades. You've been living your whole life hearing that Jesus is coming back. He's coming soon. Jesus has been a long time in coming. And so there's a lot of us that are getting drowsy. There's a lot of us that are falling asleep. We're falling out of love with the Lord. We've gotten drowsy, we're falling asleep. That's what happened to the, to the virgins. And verse six says, at midnight, the cry rang out. At the midnight cry, we'll be going home when Jesus steps out. Y'all remember that song? Used to freak me out every time somebody was singing. I'm like, Jesus coming right now. Where's he at, right? I, got, I was scared, right? He was gonna come back any minute. At the midnight cry, the cry at, at midnight the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom, he's coming, here he is. Come out to meet him. Verse 7. All of the virgins woke up, they trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise ones, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. Napoleon, give me some of your tops. No way, you go find your own. That's what happened. No, they replied. Go find your own. Go get your own tater tots, right? We we don't have enough for us and you. Instead, go to those who sell and buy some for yourself. Now, what time is it? It's midnight. Home Depot's closed, y'all. Lowe's is closed. (laughs) It's closed. Like like you can't, Walmart, it's COVID season. You can't get into Walmart late at night, right? It's closed. You can't go get oil. Jesus Christ. Is saying, I'm coming back when you don't expect it. Be ready. Verse, verse 10, but while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went into to the banquet with him, and the door was shut. Verse 11, later the others also came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. This is the same thing that happened to Noah on the ark. Noah, open up, open up. We, we believe you now, right? We believe you now. Later, the others came and said, Lord, open up. But the door was shut. Verse 12, he replied, truly, I tell you, I, I, I don't know you. Who's he telling this to? The foolish virgins. 50% of the end times church. I, I, don't, I don't know you. And he says, and because of this, because there's gonna be a falling away, because there's gonna be people who turn their back, keep, watch, because you don't know the day or the hour. That's that's pretty incredible. We don't know the day or the hour. Now, we live in a time and a season today when not only is the world rejecting biblical truth, but the church is beginning to, to reject biblical truth. And I don't know if you know it or not, but there are, there are a lot of churches that are... Um, that are I don't even want to say this because I'm, I'm not a political pastor. I, I just don't go there. I just don't. I'm going to tell you this story before I say it. I got time. When my mom was alive, growing up, she would write these words, Jesus is Lord, everywhere. Everywhere, she would write, Jesus is Lord. And I never understood, why did she write, Jesus is Lord? One day, I was out on, I was kind of just so sulking, right? I was, I was pouting. And I was missing my dad. My dad had been gone for about five years. He'd passed away. And I was like, Mom, don't you miss Dad? And she'd already remarried at this point. She had another husband. I had a stepdad, and I'm like, Mom, don't you miss Dad? Don't you want to see him? When you get to heaven, isn't Dad the first person you want to see? And, and my mom said, no. No, she's, she says, I'm, there's a couple other people I want to see. And I didn't know. I thought, well, maybe she's talking about her dad, Pa Smith, or her sister, Carolyn, who was killed when, when my mom was just a teenager. Like, who's she talking about? She took me outside, and she said, Ben, when I was a teenager, a young girl, I had two abortions and I want to see them before I see anybody else when I when I talk about this I need you to know that I'm talking about it from a sensitive place and I love if you've had an abortion you're in the right place come on somebody God loves you so much you need to know that don't let guilt and condemnation, my mom got victory over that. So when she wrote the words, Jesus is Lord, it meant he was Lord over her past. It, he was Lord over the things that she had done, over the issues and the guilt and all the shame. Come on, somebody. He was Lord over all of that. <laughs> but we have churches now who are who are pro-abortion and not just pro, but funding. And there are churches who have Rewritten their beliefs and their bylaws to uh, to in- include to go against the biblical marriage that God set up. there are churches who now believe in universalism that, that there are more than one way to get to the father there 's more than one way to get to jesus to, to go to heaven there, there are churches today that are Uh, that that believe, they don't believe in the inerrancy. They don't believe that this Bible, that this book is infallible, it is 100% trustworthy, that it is perfectly written, perfectly inspired by an almighty God. They don't believe it anymore. And so we see this falling away, this rebellion in the church. In fact, uh, several years ago, there was a denominational meeting in Nashville, Tennessee, and a denominational meeting is where they gather together and they rewrite policies and they talk about things and they vote on things. And a church leader stood up in that meeting and he said, I will not define my life by the four corners of this book. It is time for another testament to be written that is more up to date and that is, and, and that is uh, written for the times that we are living in, to which there was a thunderous applause. Churches denominations are beginning to fall away. In fact, there's a study by Barna that says only 51% of pastors have a biblical worldview. Only 51% of pastors believe that this is the true word of God. And can I just tell you today that if you think... If you're here today and you're wondering, I don't know about the Bible, I don't, know. I don't really know if it's true, if it's trustworthy, but I love Jesus. If you think there's any part of this book that you can't trust, then you can't trust any of it. If there's one part that you think might be inaccurate, then you can't trust any of it. Come on, somebody. If you're going to throw out one part, just throw out the rest. Let's sell everything, let's get a refund on what we've given to this church, and let's go party it up because it really doesn't matter. Really, come on. But it's true, are you with me? That it's true that it's 100% inspired by God. It is. 32%. This is is a recent statistic. That since March of this year, since COVID, 32% of professing Christians have stopped attending church altogether. 32%. Could it be? I don't know, but could it be? Maybe that's part of the falling away. I just, you know, don't want to watch online, don't want to wear a mask to church, I don't want to do this, do that, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to hang, I love Jesus, you know, but I'm just going to hang out. Yeah, you know, Pastor, we're not really coming to church right now, you know, we're just being cautious. Oh, but I saw you at the pool last week, man. Am Am I stepping on people's toes? Just a little bit. Got to look over there. She's the Holy Spirit for me sometimes. I'm just, can I just, I'm just being honest and I, I feel like I need to give you some truth and grace today. Come on, this is the word of God and I believe we're witnessing and in times there's, there's a rebellion that's happening in the world and in the church. So that's what's gonna happen before Jesus comes back. Now when Jesus comes back, it's the tipping point. You know what a tipping point is? It's the point of no return. You can't go back. When, at the tipping point, it's over, baby. It, it, it's, it's over. And so in Second Thessalonians, there it is again. Second Thessalonians, I'm talking fast. I think that's why I can't have a hard time. Second Thessalonians 2 5. Don't you remember that when I was with you? So Paul's talking here. Same passage. Don't you remember when I was with you? I used to tell you these things. I used to teach you about the end times. Y'all remember that? And and I would teach you, and he says, now, now you know what's holding him back. He writes this to us like we know what he's talking about. You know what's holding him back. What are you talking about, Paul? So that he may be revealed at the proper time. Who who is he? It's the Antichrist. You know what's holding him back, what's holding the Antichrist back. And so what is it? He tells us, verse seven, for the secret power of lawlessness, the Antichrist, the, the rebellion, the work of the Antichrist, it's already happening. But the one who now holds it back The one who's holding back, the one who is restraining the the Antichrist, the one who is holding back and keeping Jesus from returning right now, um, but the one who holds it back will continue to do so. He's going to keep doing it until until he is taken out of the way. What does that mean? Let me tell you something today. who's, Who's the one that's holding it back? The Holy Spirit through you. The Holy Spirit through the local church. That's what's restraining the end times. That's what's restraining Jesus from coming back and the Antichrist from taking power. It is the Holy Spirit working through you. It's a group of people in Wichita Falls, Texas who love Jesus, who love his word, who's making a difference in their community, who's restraining the forces of darkness, restraining the the work of the Antichrist, who's anxiously waiting for the return of Jesus so that when that happens, listen to me, when the church is removed, what happens? I'll show you in just a second. Um, verse 8. Verse 8 says, Then, when, when the Holy Spirit and the local church is removed, then the lawless one will be revealed. Pastor Ben, who's the Antichrist? I don't know. But let's make a top ten list. No, not really. I'm just kidding. I don't know. And I don't really don't think it's for us to know. I don't really don't think it matters, because we ain't going to be here. You know what I'm saying? Like, we gone. <laughs> and then the lawless one will be revealed. When's the lawless one revealed? When the church is removed. Are you following me? Okay, there's, I'm trying to show you something here that's pretty powerful. Antichrist is revealed when the church is raptured, whom the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus is going to overthrow the Antichrist with the breath of his mouth, y'all. Like, that's pretty awesome that Jesus can just defeat the Antichrist with just like, whoosh, blows him over and, and destroys him by the splendor of his coming. Now, let me tell you something. The lawless one won't be revealed. The Antichrist won't be revealed till we are raptured, till til we're taken out of the way. But when the rapture happens, when the church is removed, I guess I should say when the 50%, you know, the good side of the 50%, you know, when we gone, when we're out of here, it's the tipping point. That's what allows the Antichrist to come in in judgment on the earth. Now, I want to show you something. Two examples of the rapture that Jesus talks about. This is Luke. A couple of weeks ago, we read, from, we read from Matthew 24 of Jesus' account of the rapture. This is Jesus in Luke. Now, I want to show you some stuff. We're talking about when Jesus, when he comes back, it's the tipping point, okay? Luke 17, 26, just as it was in the days of Noah, so it'll also be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were being given in marriage. It was business as usual. Life was good, the economy was great. People were buying and selling. It was was good times, right? And then the flood came and destroyed them all. Noah entered the ark and then the flood came. So guess who didn't get destroyed in in the flood? Noah. Noah didn't get destroyed in the flood. Okay, he goes on. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting and building. It was good. The new Starbucks had just opened and things were so, man, it was awesome. New development, great. It, it was the same. It, and, then, and then it says, but the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Hold up. When did it happen? When Lot left. Was Lot there? He was gone. He was removed. Rescued, and he didn't experience the judgment. Jesus says it's gonna be the same way. Verse 30 says, it'll be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. Just like what? Noah was rescued, judgment came. Can I say it this way? Like Lot Lot was suddenly snatched away, judgment came. All right, it will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. Verse 31, "On, on that day, no one who's on his housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in in the field should go back for anything. Verse 32 says, remember Lot's wife? Like that's the whole verse. Remember Lot's wife? Now, if you didn't grow up in church, you might not know about Lot's wife, but in the Old Testament, God rescued Lot and his family from Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah was a city in rebellion. Okay, wickedness, like you wouldn't believe. And God sends angels to rescue Lot and his family. The angels are escorting them out of Sodom and Gomorrah when the angels say, don't look back. But what did Lot's wife do? She looked back. And what happened to her? She turned into a pillar of salt. See, the Bible is pretty full. It's full of some interesting stories, if we'll read it. Like, are you kidding me? Like, she turned into a pillar of salt. Does it, do you think it really means that? I mean, it said it. I just take it at its word, right? Turned into a pillar of salt. Why did she turn into a pillar of salt? Because she longed for the world. She wanted to go back. And Jesus is saying, remember Lot's wife. Hey, don't fall in love with this world. Don't fall in love with the things of this world. Don't fall in love with Wichita Falls. Don't fall in love with with what your heart is after. Don't fall in love with with money or traps or or, or wealth or or, uh, the college degree. Don't fall in love with any of that stuff. Come on, somebody. Remember Lot's wife. And and he says in verse 33, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. You're trying to go back to the way it used to be. You're trying, God's doing a new thing. You're trying to go back to your old life, and he says, you'll lose it that way. But if you lose your life, if you give up your life for the glory and the kingdom of God, you will preserve it if you go all in. Verse 34, I tell you that on that night, there's going to be two people in the bed sleeping on that Serda. One will be taken. And the other one left. There's going to be two women standing at the oven. One taken, the other left. There, there's, there's, uh, on, on that night, there's going to be, uh, going to verse 35, two, two women grinding grain together. I was trying to make a joke. I, I guess I, that went over there about two women standing at the stove. But, because uh, don't, we don't really grind grain today. That's all I was doing. Verse 36. Uh, Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other one left. Verse 37, where, Lord, where are they gonna go? Where will they be suddenly snatched away to? And, and remember, Paul said, where did Paul say they're going? They're gonna be caught up in the clouds to meet him in the air, okay? Check this out. Where are they going, Lord? Well, wherever there's a dead body, there's gonna be some vultures. What do vultures do? They swarm. Where? In the air. And an- another translation talk- talks about eagles there. I like that one better than vultures, but we'll go with this one, right? In the air. Where am I gonna go? Where am I gonna be caught up? In the air. All right? In the air. Okay. Are y'all following me? Is this helping anybody today understand some things about the end time? I want to give you four parallels real quick to uh, know a lot and us. I believe we're an end-time generation, know a lot in us. First parallel is this. In their time and in our time, there's, there was an immoral and violent world in rebellion to God. I believe, I just, all, you, all it takes is for us to look around and realize there is an immoral and violent world around us. The second thing that was true about their day and our day is that there is a righteous remnant living for God. There's a group of people in Wichita Falls who are sold out believers who cannot wait to help people find and follow Jesus Christ at 4301 Cedar Elm Lane. Man, we're here. We're here. But, but that righteous remnant in their day was gone. It was removed. Noah on the boat, Lot rescued, taken to the hills. What's gonna happen to us? We're raptured. We're taken. And then catastrophic world judgment. It happened in Noah's day. It happened in Lot's day. And it's going to happen when the rapture takes place. It's going to happen. So let me, let, me say it, let me say it this way. In the same way, just like in the days of Noah, it's going to be When Jesus comes back, Noah was rescued, Lot was rescued. Can I tell you today that the church of Jesus Christ isn't going to be here. When Jesus comes back, when he splits the eastern sky, you're going to be raptured, hopefully. Uh, No, I'm saying, we're going to be raptured. We're going. We're going. And we're not going to experience the judgment that happens on this earth. Uh, Can can we back up uh, in in the the, uh, production booth? Go back to the scripture that says one taken, one left. I want to show you something. Remember, Jesus said half, half of the church is going to be false, half is going to be true, the foolish and wise virgins. Well, um, if there's two people and one is taken, what percent is that? 50%. I just think that's pretty interesting. Where are we at? Come on, church. Where are we at with our relationship with the Lord? I'm, just, I'm calling us to, 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 to get right. Well, you know, back in my day, they'd say, get right or get left. Yeah. <sighs> just telling That's what they would say. Jesus is coming back. I just want you to know, he's coming again. He's coming soon. This world is not our home. Come on, I'm going to be on that first bus load out, y'all. I'm going, I'm going. All right, so before he comes back, there's rebellion. When he comes back, there's... Uh, it's just chaos, right? It's the tipping point. After he comes back, like, like when he's gone, when he's raptured the church, there is number three, total world deception at that point. Total world deception. He's, he's taken the church. There's no restraining force here now. The Antichrist is revealed. The Bible says, it's continuing in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 says, the coming of the lawless one Will be in accordance with how Satan works. Huh. So, so the Antichrist is obviously empowered and influenced by Satan. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. Notice that, serve the lie. It keeps going. He'll use all those powers and wonders that serve the lie and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. Well, how are they perishing, Pastor Ben? they perished because they refused to love the truth i, mean, I love jesus i don't really you know the bible is kind of outdated you know it's really it's really not something that we you know live by in today's society I mean, it was written thousands of years ago come on they refused to love the truth and be saved by the truth what's the truth that jesus christ loved you so much that he gave himself for you he died for you. And, and I, I hope you're getting this. I, 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 hope, I hope this is sinking in today. When the church is removed, the Antichrist comes in, there is no restraining force. It's gonna be a world full of wickedness. At that point, the, the church is gone and people are perishing because they refused to love the truth. Verse 11 says that for this reason, okay, let me, let me, let me say this. There's a lot of people today in the world who love Jesus but they don't, really, they don't really know the truth. I mean, G, I, I love Jesus. They I mean, I don't really subscribe to this. Okay, not only will you be left behind, the, the Bible says that you're going to be full of delusion and you will believe the lie. What's the lie? That the Antichrist is God. You know, all this time I thought, going to church, doing you know, small groups. and I, I thought all that was the real deal, but this guy, he's, he's the real thing. You believe the lie. Verse, verse 12. And so it will be, so, so that all will be condemned. Everybody who doesn't love the truth will be condemned because they didn't believe. They didn't believe. They've delighted in wickedness. I want to I close up with this. Um, your relationship with the Bible is a reflection of your relationship with Jesus. Your relationship, I'll say it a different way, your relationship with Jesus could also be a reflection of your relationship with this. It is true. It is 100% true. And you can't love Jesus and not love his word. You can't love Jesus and not subscribe to what this book teaches. It's quiet. So what do we do? Number one, fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. He's the savior of the world. There's no other way. In the light of eternity, what matters more than anything else is that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just about rules and religion. It's not just about do's and don'ts. It's not just about duty. It is a desire. It is a hunger and a thirst and a passion to know him, a life-giving relationship. And when you know him, when you fall in love with him, then you start to develop that relationship with Jesus Christ. How do I do that, Pastor Ben? How do I get to know him more? Well, I would say it this way. Give us a year of your life. Give us a year. Well, what if he comes back before the year's up? I don't know. We'll leave it up to that, right? <laughs> I ain't worried about that. Come on. Get in love with Jesus. Develop your relationship with Jesus. Because when you start developing that relationship, when you get in his word, you'll discover that he has something to say about everything you deal with in this life. And it's not, it's not a book that hits you over the head. It is a book full of grace. It's a book full of truth. You know what truth? Truth, with, truth without grace is like surgery without anesthesia. But grace without truth is like a bottle with no pills in it. Every time this book comes to you with both truth and grace, truth and grace is a book full of grace, and He loves you so much. So I would say go through the growth track, be baptized. How how do I develop my relationship with Jesus? Start serving on the dream team, get in a small group, take off your mask of pretending and and acting like everything's good and you don't have any issues because we all got issues. And if you say you don't have issues, that's your issue, right? Take off the mask. Get around some people who will lift you up. Get in the word. Find out what the word has to say about your life. Begin to apply it. Come to to seven days of prayer tomorrow. Seven days of prayer. Well, I don't really know how to pray. We'll help you. We'll have resources at the front. Prayer guides. We'll help you in every way that we can to have a life-giving relationship with Jesus. But you've got to develop that. You've got to own that. It's not enough to just say, I love Jesus, he's cool. There's more. There's some truth that we've got to apply in our lives. Come on, somebody. All right, number three, share the love of Jesus. Share the love of Jesus. How much do we have to hate people to say we believe in Jesus but not tell them about him? How much do we have to, to, to hate somebody to know And believe in our heart that Jesus is coming again. That he's going to split the eastern sky one day. He's rapturing the church. But we won't tell somebody about it. And we could look at it a couple different ways. We could say, well, preacher, ain't no use in telling anybody. It's just a 50-50 chance, you know. (laughs) We'll just see what happens. You can do that. Yeah, I'm not really going to put myself out there if there's only a 50-50 chance. (laughs) Or you could say, not on my watch, not on my watch, no matter what happens. I don't. I know there's an end times falling away that's going to happen. I know there's going to be some people who turn their back on Christianity. They turn their back on the truth. They turn their back on the Word of God. I know that's going to happen, but I'm not going to let it happen on my watch. I'm going to do everything I can to help people know that Jesus loves them. I'm going to do everything I can to show the marginalized and the vulnerable the hope of Jesus Christ. I'm going to do everything I can short of sin to help people find and follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to do it. I'm going to share the love of Jesus. I'm going to share his love. Amen. Will you bow your heads with me today? We witness, we're witnessing a lot of things in our our season that we're in. There's political unrest, there's racial tensions, fear, worry, concerns, there's, There's some end time stuff going on around us. There's a falling away of people who just don't believe anymore. They've turned their back. They've turned their back. And I just believe that we're not going to be in this season much longer. We're not going to be in a season like this much longer. Jesus is coming back. So let me say it this way. This isn't a time for games. It's not a time for indecision what I want you to do today and listen, there's no pressure there's no compulsion I I never want to be that preacher who kind of guilts people in to making a decision but I think you need to make a decision you need to decide who's the Lord of your life you need to decide, do you believe the truth or do you not you need to decide do you want a relationship with Jesus or not and if you're ready to make that decision today i want to give you an opportunity if you're not ready to make that decision i i want you to come back next week but let me ask it this way if he came back today would you be taken or would you be left so I want to give you an opportunity to make that decision maybe you feel far from God today maybe you feel distant maybe you feel like you've drifted you've been in relationship with Jesus and and you've you've kind of gone your own way and I want to give you an opportunity to make a decision today to follow Jesus and if that's you if you're ready to make that decision you feel the weight of your sin you feel the guilt the condemnation you feel that today if you're ready to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life just slip up your hand right now just eyes are eyes are bowed I, I, eyes are closed hands up right where you are God bless you who else would say that's me Pastor Ben count me in that prayer count me in that prayer thank you thank you thank you who else three hands up come on anybody else say that's me Pastor Ben I'm, I'm, I'm all in God bless you God bless you I see you anybody else I'm going to lead you in a prayer come on let's say this today say Jesus I give you my life I'm sorry for doing things my way for not believing I'm sorry for going the other way will you forgive me will you cleanse me will you wash me make me new give me a fresh start I want to go to heaven and as long as I'm on this earth I promise you I'm going to live for you the best that I know how Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God thanks today for three or four people who said, I'm in, I'm going all in today. Amen. Hey, I'm proud of you. And if you made a decision today to follow Christ, we wanna wanna say, we honor you. We thank you for that. Thank you for being bold.